No, I like the sweater though. You look like a cult leader, but in like a good way. <laughs> Dude, I've heard that a... before about this. Uh, well, I think I was wearing this sweatshirt and then like white pants too. And Bryn was like, "You look like you're in a cult." You gotta have <laughs> heaven's just white Nikes, dude. I want those. That, that you can't buy them. They like stop selling that kind. I mean, not that it even was ever branded as the Heaven's Gate kind, but they. I think they were like, we don't want people to try to get these. Wow! Only the second most unjust canceling in the history of sneakers. Obviously, number one is Kanye West. <laughs> oh, I forgot that happened this week too. Been a lot of weird things happening this there's week. There's there's a theory that he actually just didn't like the terms of his contracts, and the whole anti-Semitism thing is literally just him tanking his contracts so he can re- be released from them he's which, definitely for like so, weeks it doesn't seem very very well planned but if so <laughs> kind of hilarious it's a bit of a yeah that's a bit of a like pyrrhic victory but he has literally for like weeks before all this been just saying that he doesn't want to uh be part of adidas and he wants to like sell stuff completely on his own people had the theories like that before too about like the maga hat that uh that whole thing where he like met with trump was just because Kim Kardashian was on this quest to get some woman pardoned for uh, for a crime that she didn't commit. And so like Trump pardoned her after Kanye met with him and people nice. were like, it was all a 5D chess move to get Trump to pardon her. If you go back in time, you know, the uh, the whole Taylor Swift thing was a 5D chess move uh, to eventually like through the butterfly effect result in this new Taylor Swift album that everybody's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kanye West got in on the ground floor. He was like, "I'll invest ten percent on an album you'll put out in 2022, as long as I make you look good by being an asshole." They should have given him a, write, a writing credit on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the question that's on everybody's minds now. Is like, yeah, Kanye keeps going around saying things, but like, are his lyrics going to be anti-Semitic on the next? Album? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I I wrote a Kanye verse that I think is pretty good. Uh, like oh, like no. a, like like what if Kanye was anti-Semitic? It's like uh, <laughs> what if Rutger Hauer was Dutch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, t- Todd is Jewish, so he's he's allowed to do this. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm actually. I just I, I'm looking at my notes and I'm realizing that I there's no excuse for this. <laughs> I'm not well, getting away with this. Then you must uh, have done a good job would, writing in his voice because well, well <laughs> included in my little thing that I wrote out is uh, a section where if I were to read it back to you, I would have had to do patois. Uh. <laughs> oh, right. It wouldn't be, you can do anti-Semitism, but you, it would be racist for you to do an impression of a black guy being anti-Semitic. Yes. So we yeah, can't have yeah, that. Yeah. 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 But okay. you know, he, he always got, he has that patois singer on a lot of his stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah. cool. It's like a vibe. Yeah. It spices things up. I mean, rem- it works for almost any genre. Remember when vitamin C had Lady <laughs> Saw on Smile? That song goes un- unbelievably hard. And that was basically Disney Channel music. On uh, <laughs> Fly by Sugar Ray. There's a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. Classic. Oh, yeah. I hope we use that as the outro music for this episode. We have to now. Fly we'll is forget. a really We'll use something song. else. And the audience will be like, what? I want to hear be that fine. song. We can use whatever the fuck we want. It's our podcast. It's That's not true. The, yeah. the audience's podcast. We're just going to put a whole playlist at the end. It'll be like Fly by Sugar Ray and then I've Seen Better Days by Citizen mm-hmm. King and then uh, something else with stringy guitar and hip-hop yeah. beats. Yeah. Like. Actually, look, looking at all the songs we want to include, we're going to have to wrap the episode up pretty soon. It's going to be yeah. like five minutes of talking just a playlist. Well. <laughs> we should do that sometime. Just make an episode that's a playlist when we can't actually record but we don't want to let people down. <laughs> Well, speaking of not letting people down, uh, welcome to Beat Beep Lettuce, everybody. And I feel like we would be letting you down if we didn't talk about Paul Pelosi struggling for control of a hammer. This is oh the news my God. that's on everybody's mind. This story minds. is crazy. And, okay, and listen, it's got everything you want and none of what you don't want. It, it might sound like he was playing Super Smash Bros. at a campaign rally, but no, this is a real-life hammer. He wasn't trying to get the, the Donkey Kong hammer to take someone down to beat Nancy. This is real life. Everybody knows that Paul Pelosi only plays Battlefield only no items anyway. Absolutely. He's a purist. (laughs) Lightning round of all the stuff you may have already heard. uh, There's a theory that this whole him getting supposedly attacked by a hammer is just an attempt to whitewash the Google results when you search Paul Pelosi hammered (laughs) to clear out the whole DUI thing, which but there's also a theory that the DUI thing he had some sort of like hooker or prostitute in the car 
which mm-hmm. is like vaguely mentioned. Um, there's a ton of inconsistencies with the actual attack. Like, first off, he's an 80 something year old guy. 82. And he yeah. was supposedly the, I guess the two of them, the attacker and Paul Pelosi were both in their underwear. Uh, Paul Pelosi was somehow <laughs> able to convince the attacker to let him go to the bathroom where he called 911. On the 911 call, he referred to the attacker as a quote unquote friend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the attackers also like vaguely linked to some weird MK Ultra like dosing shit. He's um, a, he's the the attacker is also like a, a according to what I saw on Twitter one of those like baby talk friend posters that posts on like. Oh, men's no. rights slash <laughs> QAnon oh, so that slash shit gets even crazier because yeah. apparently uh, so uh he like had Pepe guys. He, he yeah, re- yeah. Like a month ago he registered a website Gripers. called friendly friends yeah, yeah. but okay. there's there people have been in, uncovering it through the wayback archive there were blog posts that predate his registration of that domain so the theory like the working theory is that it's all extremely fishy because like a couple years ago apparently there's photos of him doing like uh, uh, with a with one of those weed flags like a like a pride weed flag and like black lives matter stuff so i i fully believe that this guy was absolutely an, an mk ultra victim uh there's way more to this than meets the eye and if you accept any of the mainstream media framing around this incident whatsoever then you're a rube and you should be laughed at and in fact the pelosi's who are worth nine figures, hundreds of millions of dollars, and somehow didn't have armed security, even though on numerous occasions they've been reported on as having armed security, they're laughing at you too, if you believe them. Well, and also like the police response time was apparently incredibly quick because they showed up to find them fighting over the hammer. But then also like, there's no mention of the fact that like, there was a police station nearby or police units habitually drive by the Pelosi home or anything like that. Like, so the whole thing is just like uh, the police report, the police's Mm -hmm. action themselves, the actions of the attacker and the actions of Paul Pelosi are all incongruous with one another and completely (laughs) suspect. And so I can understand why people would have, you know, conspiracy brain about this. Uh, but then you have guys like Elon Musk going on Twitter and just posting like a conspiracy link that they saw and didn't even read. And so (laughs) there's a part of me that thinks like, yeah, there's probably conspiratorial shit going on. But then there's another part of me that thinks like, they're just going to shotgun blast us with conspiracy theories about this. The same way that like, anytime we start to get too critical of our government, they're like, what if we told you UFOs are real? <laughs> this is exa- yes, exactly. You hit yeah. the nail on the head, John. This is exactly what happened with the Las Vegas shooting. This is exactly mm. what happened with the Nashville RV filled with explosives. This oh, is yeah. exactly what happened with uh, that, like, I guess, guy with a Black Lives Matter neck tattoo that, like, shot a guy in, like, Portland and then was promptly gunned down by police and then we never heard anything about it again. That one was really weird. was, like, definitely a fed every Mm. single time. Reality is somewhere in between the obvious bogus narrative that the Pelosi's and the mainstream media have been spouting and then on the complete opposite side, uh, other side of the spectrum, uh, like, whatever the like conspiracy websites are it's probably a drug deal it's probably some kind of mk ultra shit you never know maybe it was literal human sacrifice we will never know (laughs) because the disinformation technique being applied by the elites in this instance is feed the right-wing conspiracy guys a bunch of stuff about like pizza restaurants and child sacrifice and then feed the Huffington Post and NPR and the New York Times a bunch of stuff about how this is the most credible and real threat to our democracy since January 6th, which, as we know about January 6th, (laughs) it was also just about as real and credible as whatever happened with Paul Pelosi with his pants down. 
Well, yeah, and like regardless of what the origins of the situation are, the way that it's being handled in the media, the whole thing is they really want you to believe that Democrats and Republicans honestly don't like each other and that they're like mm. at each other's throats yeah, and about to team, fight folks. a civil war. And like there is dissent among the ranks of the bourgeoisie. That's real. But they're not going to flip the country over on its backside and expose their soft underbelly just to get one over on each other. They have class consciousness and they know that other rich people are their friends even if they disagree on political or economic mm. issues <laughs> yeah the whole the, the whole like phone call in the bathroom thing is so weird about that. that's like one the, the one detail that really like feels strange to me that like the because what you're saying earlier todd that he was like yeah my friend is acting weird and it, so it sounded like the way that people are supposed to like if you're calling the cops on like an abusive partner and you don't want to like tip them off that you're calling the cops and you're like hey can i get uh three pepperoni pizzas please or whatever like those tiktok things maybe paul pelosi was watching those and got got an idea but i I don't like why why would you get away from someone and be like oh excuse me sir i have to pee uh i'm not calling the police by the (laughs) way just like quietly say hey i need help or something like run the water well i mean like the whole thing that I'm just curious, like, what is the relevance of this to the drunk driving incident? Like, was the drunk driving incident even real? Because here, it's hard for me to even get my head around, like, where to start with this, because these people are not just rich. They live in, yeah. like, a totally separate yeah. universe to the rest they're, they're of They're rulers, us. yeah. They're yeah. not just wealthy. I mean, like, to to call the Pelosi's the American equivalent of like the Royal family would in some ways be more accurate than to call the Bidens or the Trumps that, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I I really do think so, especially with the amount of like direct economic control that they exercise. And that's the thing, like, let's, let's give this story credibility just for the sake of argument and imagine that this guy really was just some riled up right winger who got an idea in his head and followed through on it. Like it's, it's crazy to me that they would go and attack the Pelosi's because it's it wouldn't even be for the right reasons. You're like, they're communists. I need to destroy the <laughs> leaders of the American Communist Party. And it's like, Paul Pelosi is one of the most capitalist people that has ever lived in the history of the world. Yes, <laughs> but there's also like... Uh, people immediately came forward with documented proof that the Pelosi's have like paid security at all times at all locations and How also they not? on the yeah, fucking secret you? service it's their job to protect the line of succession of the president and mm. their families it is written you can fucking google it it's the mm. first fucking result when you google it well, they, yeah. ha- they have security taking that and having this guy be like the mk ultra fall guy and then doing like a january 6th thing that's what's despicable about it okay yeah, it's just Paul? hard for me to believe that this <laughs> this timing coinciding with the midterms so that closely too. is mm, accidental. Yeah. Like if Gotta this had happened last surprise. year, I would have surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if this had happened in 2020 or 2021, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have really like I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have such conspiracy brain about it, but it's hard not to when the Democrats are just like losing their fucking minds about these upcoming midterms and trying to act like I don't know, people have ever fucking cared about midterms. I mean, I guess within the internal logic of the American political system, they're important, but that within the internal logic of the American political system is doing a lot of heavy lifting. (laughs) (laughs) There's always an October surprise. And also like it it's, I don't think it's going to do anything. I don't think anybody who is going to vote one way or another is going to change their vote because like of this weird ass fishy ass story. So I don't think that the whole thing is made up. I think that it's one of those situations where like, like nowadays in the era of like information wars, right? You know, info wars as they're called, no, (laughs) no relation. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, nowadays you're able to spin it immediately into like some, some crazy thing. And of course it's like a private, you know, $10 million mansion in the fucking Hollywood Hills or whatever. Uh, or not the Hollywood Hills, but, you know, in San Francisco. So they're able to completely control the information flow. We're never going to actually know what happened. And uh, but, the, but the point I'm trying to make is like uh, the Democrats don't have anything to run on because instead of running on like, hey, uh, you know, poor 
foreign policy and monetary policy has caused your cost of living to go up. Groceries cost more. It costs more to fill your car up to get to work. It costs more to pay your landlord uh, rent. It costs more to raise your kids and have daycare and healthcare is a huge one. Uh, you know, we, we had a, a humongous public health failure uh, that's been just unfolding nonstop for two and a half years. Um, like, but, but their most important thing that they're running on is this is a threat to our democracy. <laughs> right? None of those things matter. Our democracy. Imagine okay? you're Paul Pelosi. What if somebody comes at you with a hammer? If you vote for Nancy Pelosi, she'll make sure that doesn't happen. If you don't vote for her, <laughs> she has no promises. You could get attacked with a hammer. Paul Pelosi should have simply disarmed the attacker using kinetic jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't, we don't know. He could have just thrown the rest of his wine at him. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if we want to talk about an election that actually does matter for a second, let's talk about Lula and his hey. victory in Brazil. That's what I'm talking about. Jair oh. Bolsonaro. See you later, idiot. Goodbye, loser. Oh, okay, okay. BTFO. <laughs> I got some. RIP Bozo. So my favorite thing, okay, on the Lula thing. Okay, so... Uh, Lula at one point was quoted as saying, they think the poor don't have rights. He was talking to a crowd of supporters in Sao Paulo, one of the poorest neighborhoods in Sao Paulo, like in literal favelas. He said, uh, Lula said, he'll fight for their rights, the right to barbecue with family on the weekend, to buy a little picanha, to that piece of picanha with the fat dipped in flour and to a glass of cold beer. And the crowd cheered. So That's what I'm talking about. Lula said, a little bit of chicken fried, cold beer on a Friday night. <laughs> Let's Holy fucking shit. go. <laughs> yeah, when he won, he said, they tried to bury me alive and I'm here. And then he described his win as his political resurrection. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to take office on January 1st, 2023. And he won by like a 1% margin, right? Yeah, it was like tight. 50 point nine against 49.1 so i guess it's closer to a two-point margin but like it's really really tight election mm -hmm. you have to imagine bolsonaro had his finger on the scale as much as he possibly could uh but it's just so crazy that that uh lula can even come back i mean they put his ass in jail <laughs> he had to leave <laughs> the country for a while he lived in mexico for a little while yeah, Actually, I feel like they didn't really think through their plan of like throw him in jail and then he'll be tainted, I guess, was the idea that after this he can't run again. And then they like well, didn't they, make it stick well enough. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they completely like fucked that up because he left office with an 85 percent approval rating. Imagine mm -hmm. a president. I don't think a president has ever had an 85 in America. An 85% approval rating. Imagine what a president in the United States would have to do to get an 85% approval rating. He would have I mean, to like fucking make healthcare free, make gasoline free. Like think of all the things the president would have to do to have 85% of Americans be like, yeah, that guy's doing a good job. He would have to like <laughs> end the military industrial complex. Yeah. I mean, it would be impossible. Americans would never give anything that high of an approval rating. The approval rating for hot dogs in the United States is a little over 70%. <laughs> hot dogs. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think George W. Bush for like a week after, yeah, after 9-11, he had an 85% approval rating. But I guess that's just because everyone is like, well, he's president and 9-11 was bad. So America good. Or I don't know what the fuck was happening then. Hold on, Chris. You just answered my question. Mm -hmm. What would a U.S. president have to do to get an 85% approval rating? The answer is 9-11. If you do 9-11 and they don't know you did it, they will approve of you. If they find out, they will disapprove, which is why his you know, approval rating eventually tanked. That's right. Yeah, well, I, I really look forward to seeing what's going to happen in Brazil with Lula in charge. It's going to be really big for the poorest people of the country. It's going to be really big for the Amazon rainforest, which many mm -hmm. people describe rightfully as the lungs of the earth. So it'll be uh, it'll be really good to see how he handles the logging and mining industries. I saw on Twitter that the president of Mexico uh, gave him a very warm congratulations. He's also received congratulations from people like Pedro Castillo from Peru and uh, oh shit, what's the guy from Chile's name? Uh, Gabriel Boric. Mm. And um, 
so it's pretty cool. There's a big coalition of like further and further left leaning. I mean, none are as cool as Venezuela and Cuba, but further mm-hmm. and further left leaning uh, uh, South and Central American nations. And it's interesting that the U.S. doesn't feel as emboldened to intervene in this kind of stuff anymore. I feel like even just three or four years ago, we probably would have ensured that Bolsonaro won this election. And as we talked about relatively recently, the Organization of American States just passed a resolution to back Pedro Castillo when he complained that reactionary forces in Peru were trying to frame him on corruption charges. I don't know. The OAS probably won't follow through with actually giving him any help. But to even get that kind of token admission from Washington, D.C. of support, I think really illustrates a sea change in the way that the U.S. is viewing South and Central American foreign policy in the wake of events in Ukraine uh, basically dividing the world economy in half. Well, if anything, it, it makes me think they're being more insidious and that uh, more vigilance against the actions of the State Department behind the scenes is necessary because if the U.S. State Department is uh, messaging support for Lula, uh, then, I mean, it's like the State Department is always, their job is to clear the way for uh, the United States and its clients uh, whether they're client states or uh, capital, uh, to have access to developing economies or economies that they didn't uh, previously have access to. So uh, on one hand, like during Lula's uh, term when he was president, uh, like lifted an insane amount of Brazilians out of poverty, uh, you know, is pro- he's probably going to continue the work that he was doing. But what is the U.S. State Department's meddling in that going to look like and uh, how will uh, his, how will Lula's, uh, how will Lula respond to that in Mm -hmm. a way that maintains the sovereignty of his mission in Brazil? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what the 2026 election looks like. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having to defend his seat against Juan Guaido and Benjamin Netanyahu. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I think it's like they're they're in a position where the kind of like meddling that they used to do, which could like kind of fly under the radar, relatively speaking, is Mm -hmm. people people know the, the play now, you know, if all of a sudden some right-wing militia group takes over the country, people will smell the CIA all over it. And like more to the point, people in, in these countries will understand what's happening. And I think they understand that they're playing with fire. And if they meddle too much, then these countries will, you know, overthrow the like puppet government or there'll be an mm-hmm. even stronger push towards the left. And maybe now their plan is more like if a left-wing president does win, do everything you can to uh, undermine them and stop them from doing anything impactful and then try to use that apathy and situation to like push in a right-wing president afterwards. But yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, speaking of being curious to, to continue to follow what happens, let's talk about, uh, the Ukraine situation a little bit more broadly. Uh, Mm -hmm. I saw a tweet today. I think this is actually from a couple of days ago. This is from the 28th from Telegraph World News that says U S is to send high tech nuclear weapons to NATO bases amid rising. Oh my God with Russia. Deployment Holy of, fuck. Yeah. So they're deploying B-6112 tactical bombs to Europe. Uh, and this move comes after Moscow held military exercises showcasing its own ballistic capabilities, which is interesting because when Russia demonstrates its own ballistic capabilities within its own borders, and then the U.S. puts nukes in Turkey, Italy, and Germany, those are not commensurate responses to the things that that you're (laughs) responding to. I mean, you hear so much talk from the U.S. State Department and Congress and all of the other branches of the fucking U.S. government intelligence services who are like, oh, Putin, he's a nuclear risk. He's going to blow up Ukraine. He's going to nuke the Donbass. And it's like, the only people who are actively moving nukes and ballistic dial-a-load payload missiles around is the United States. And the only country that's ever dropped a nuke on an enemy country is the United States. So this kind of posturing, I mean, like, this is really fucking worrisome. I was not worried about nuclear war until the U.S. went and fucking did this. Yeah, yeah this is wild. 
Uh, I would I would love to say the cooler heads prevail, but nobody in the government is a cool head right now. Well, mm-hmm. nobody's nobody's pushing for de-escalation at all. That's the thing is because like the U.S. military industrial complex is a service provider constantly in search of clients. They love war. They don't mm-hmm. want de-escalation. They want to sell more bombers. They want to sell more guns. And uh, it's just, it's getting pretty wildly out of hand if we are stationing nukes in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, is all of this really worth it just to have Ukraine in NATO? Like, to have, like, a slight foothold in the region against Russia? Like, because we're so afraid of what Russia is going to do to us or what they're doing without our influence or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it's also like a continuation of... a program that was going on anyway like the u.s has a decade-long program of upgrading uh nato bombs to be b61 class unguided nuclear variants and uh so they became part of the arsenal in 1968 and we have Mm -hmm. been adapting around them uh ever since then and so it's i i just don't understand the reasoning behind this because it's like do they think they're going to get Russia to stop attacking Ukraine? Like the the motivations for that still exist. NATO expansion is still definitely a thing. The only way you could get them to stop is if you said, "Okay, we promise to keep Ukraine out of NATO." This fucking insane brinksmanship playing fucking risk with the lives of everybody on the goddamn planet, right? It's fucked up. It, and and it, like none of us get to vote on it, none of us get to do anything. All we can really do is pack our bug out bags and make sure that we're not anywhere near ground zero when the nukes go off. Yeah, well, luckily, I don't think they're going to try to blow up Lake Michigan. So I'm pretty pleased about where I'm at. <laughs> You'll just be floating out there fishing. You won't even notice it happened until like three weeks later when you come back to shore and you're like, hey, how come uh, the Internet's not here anymore? I was expecting my friends to be online and Facebook just goes to a sad picture of uh, Mark Zuckerberg's meta avatar and it says Mark is dead. <laughs> Mark R. is I. dead. Redirect in five seconds. Click here if your browser does not redirect automatically. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> well, speaking of redirections, let's talk about something a little bit more frivolous. Uh, Mr. Beast, the well-known streamer, possibly I think the most wealthy YouTuber mm-hmm. in the world, is seeking a $1.5 billion valuation for himself as a business and to which i only have to say like buddy you sell fucking hamburgers <laughs> over not Uber even good. Eats. you no, know we should suck. send fucking mr beast to ukraine with like yeah. just checks for ten thousand dollars you just ha- can hand them out just send <laughs> him send him there with one hamburger like that guy from popeye what was his fucking <laughs> name <laughs> yeah mr beast just go have all the ukrainian soldiers do real life squid game or whatever video you made and uh be too busy to fight <laughs> peace achieved yeah, so he has 107 million subscribers, uh, and he apparently makes $54 million a year just on his YouTube content. And it's like, why do you even, why do you want the $1.5 billion valuation? Why not just be happy with your fucking money? I don't understand <laughs> why he needs a valuation uh, for his company. Is he taking it public? Are you going to be able to uh, invest in beast stock? Yeah, are we going to be able to take out beast a beep, beep lettuce ad on his forehead in the form of a giant tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a good question because it's like normally you raise money to like expand a company and hire more workers or mm-hmm. make more server space or whatever if you're a or website. buy or... another company and integrate yeah. it into yours or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. He's going to buy like Linus Tech Tips and he's going to buy like <sighs> who, who, who's a big YouTuber? Who... Tom Scott. Yeah. Uh, Fucking uh, what's that guy who does Dream. like Nintendo? I I feel like I'm naming YouTubers that are like way smaller than Mr. Beast because I know whenever <laughs> someone's talking about like a really famous YouTuber, they're like, you don't know, uh, Bling Blorp. He has 15 million <laughs> yeah. followers and he's 23 <laughs> and he's been accused of seven different crimes. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, buddy, I'm oh, 32. Man. I watch Scott the Waz and stop <laughs> skeletons from fighting. <laughs> and then when a new summoning salt comes out, I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love summoning salt. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I hope Mr. Beast doesn't buy summoning salt. Yeah, he's like, what are you, are you going to acquire other YouTubers? Are you going to like invest into it's also so funny to like that you're already making like tens of millions of dollars and you're wanting to like invest more into yourself and he's basically just he he uses a website you know he he's on youtube and he's completely Mm -hmm. at the whim of 
their company. And granted, if you're like the biggest YouTuber, I'm sure you get a lot of privileges and it's like, you're not worried that YouTube is just going to like take your videos down. But people who have a lot of subscribers just get their videos taken down or like age restricted for no reason. So, well, that's the thing. When So it's one of those things where uh, if you owe the bank a thousand dollars, that's mm-hmm. your problem. If you owe the bank a billion dollars, that's the bank's problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, so Mr. Beast brings in so much revenue for YouTube that like, if he, Mr. Beast doesn't need to worry about being demonetized. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Beast, uh, it, like YouTube needs to worry about being demonetized by Mr. Beast. Right. Yeah, because right. like he's got these viewers and this revenue. And if he like was not bringing that in, that would be YouTube's problem. So I don't think that that's going to go away anytime soon. But the question is, like, how long is uh, are the Zoomers or whatever generation is, you know, like his primary, uh, like, demographic? How long is that going to last? Mm hmm. Uh, I don't know, until they start having to pay their college loans, probably. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. So the really interesting part of this thread from Fortune Magazine says he wants to raise $150 million in a funding round for his YouTube channels and various other businesses. And uh, that the company that owns Coco Melon Moonbug Entertainment was acquired for $3 billion by Candle Media in 2021. So he's not the first YouTuber to attract investors. But the company that manages him is doing something even worse than that. They're raising $100 million and teaming up with something called the Chernin Group to form Knight Capital, which a, a okay. capital investment firm which aims to boost creators by having them sell retail products to their communities. He's running a dropshipping MLM scam for YouTubers. <laughs> okay, well, first with a off, capital as, investment company. <laughs> as somebody who runs their own little dropshipping thing, uh, <laughs> I might someday be offering my company at a valuation of $1.5 So yeah. please don't Please stop making fun of Mr. 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 Yeast. (laughs) (laughs) Man, his fucking thumbnails are so funny. It's just like him. He's he doesn't even quite do the soy face. It's I mean, it's kind of as the soy face, but it's like this weird grin. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. would you quit school for one hundred thousand dollars? Steal this one hundred thousand dollar diamond. You can keep it. <laughs> yeah, that's his big thing. Like half of his videos are just w- different ways of of giving out money. Like he is a game show host. Mr. Yeah. Beast is a game show host. He's just a DIY game show host. He's not like signed. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't. He's not signed to a label like Alex Trebek or Ken Jennings. Yeah, he's he's doing it on on his own. He also does a lot of hide and seek. Like I don't even know if Zoomers are watching this. Maybe it's like whatever generation six year olds are in. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know generation alpha. No, that's I mean, the thing. I, I I feel like he has discovered the fundamental principle of of human beings, which is that we love to sit on a fucking couch and watch people do game shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and um, I mean, it, it's it's hard to even break into anything that's not on YouTube now. Like that kind of stuff could only come up on YouTube because, like, there was a tweet I saw recently where Craig McCracken who is a, an animator, writer, producer, director, storyboard artist. He did Powerpuff Girls. He did a, a couple of other things. Um, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. <clears throat> and people were asking him, like, hey, why did you pitch uh, new Fosters and new Powerpuff Girls to Netflix? Why are you just recycling old IP? And he was like, well, I tried to pitch other stuff and they didn't want it, but I have old IP and they want that. So I pitched it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, so you did try to pitch a new show to Netflix. And he was like, I pitched 16 shows to Netflix. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It seems like if you're somebody like Mr. Beast, gradually over time, you just have to make more and more infantile content before Mm -hmm. eventually you're just like playing peekaboo on YouTube for billions of dollars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, it mirrors the like neoteny of like, dog breeds how like Mm. breeds of dog will just look like more of a little puppy uh over Mm -hmm. the subsequent generations that's what that's what's happening to youtubers brains we are breeding (laughs) youtubers with baby brains through selective eugenics of content (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's a concept uh, that sort of explains that that i heard about recently called audience capture where it's like if as you become a bigger and bigger like online 
influencer or personality or whatever. It's like you end up kind of being trapped by what your audience wants and what they expect. And like the bigger a personality you are, like the bigger an audience you have, the more, you know, monolithic and powerful and like... Right. At the end of the day, Mr. Beast is just like a slave to the YouTube algorithm. He's going to make a video. And if it does even like (sighs) 1 million less views than he's used to getting, he's going to change the video and try to target it to whatever he thinks his viewers want. Yeah, it's kind of like it forces you to flanderize yourself and just lean in on more and more of like what the most obvious and most like classic but also cliche elements of your personality are mm-hmm. like I, there's this one youtube channel i like called how ridiculous it's very stupid it's just three australian guys who drop stuff off dams and smash things and like how many uh glass window panes will stop a baseball and shit like that oh, but that's cool <laughs> it is it's cool and it's physics but, yeah but over time like i've been watching them for a little while and the new stuff it's just like the the running and grinning and like the jokes are starting to feel really forced oh, yeah. because every the cheese and the ham level has just like really really been turned up for so long because it's what viewers like but it's like it's not sustainable eventually you have to either end it or throw a curveball i got a youtube uh recommendation of a channel that has been like growing i saw them when they had only had like a couple hundred subscribers and i've enjoyed them ever little since. youtube channel called the beatles <laughs> <laughs> uh no, no no so so it's called backyard broncos and it's so obviously uh i think most of us uh, uh, on the pod all of us and probably most of our listeners have seen trailer park boys we mm-hmm. know that you know like there's a vibe to like rural canadians they're a certain way they they just are a certain way it's very entertaining so backyard mm-hmm. broncos is basically these like Canadian guys who love Ford Broncos and what they do is they troll Craigslist and they'll go and like go to the same guy's house like five times each time offering him less money for the same shitty truck or <laughs> or they'll like just completely destroy a car like they'll take a sawzall and cut the roof off a car and put it on Craigslist as a convertible and like then some 17 year old kid comes and wants to buy it and they're like yeah but it uh, fucking runs fucking good huh and then it like won't start or something and they, they just like and they fuck with people but it's wholesome because after they fuck with somebody they call them up and they're like hey bud you know that crappy thing you, you bought for us we're gonna give you all your money back and then they just they just they they shoot another video with the person mm. and then now that person is part of their crew and like <laughs> So oh, they become is, a, they keep growing. The backyard yeah, so they, they, oh, you get okay, jumped okay. in. It's really, really good. It's like <laughs> so. So they sold this moped to like a guy, and the moped was shitty. And the guy was like, "Yeah, I needed to get to work." And the, like very sympathetic. So then you know, and and afterwards they're they're like, "Oh, we felt bad for selling this shitty moped to this guy." So we called him up and we gave him his money back, and now he's a member of our crew. It's like it, it's and they always have a beer. It's so, mm-hmm, of course. So I feel like having bought and sold shit on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and stuff, I feel like that area is ripe for parody because it's full of such fucking weirdos. And that's who they run into on the channel. And I feel like that's a format. I haven't really seen that format. It's sort of like, it's sort of like Pawn Stars, but like, without the reality TV show element. Well, it's always nice when the people who are doing the video feel, don't feel like they're putting on a big show. Like I get that like YouTube encourages you to do stuff like open your video with a big wipe and be like, hello, YouTube. And the background music fades out and you're like, welcome to my channel. If you remember from the last video, we talked about how redstone can actually be used to make an egg beater. (laughs) And it's just like (laughs) that kind of stuff is like really fucking annoying. Mm -hmm. After you've seen it a few hundred or thousand times, it starts to have the same energy as like an awkward high school rendition of, of some kind of like shitty play. Like, Oh my God, are we really watching our town right now? And there's some like (laughs) 16 year old barely stuttering through his lines. And it's like, it it ends up having the same energy. So when you come across somebody who's just has like a relaxed and chill energy, like lockpicking lawyer is my go-to example of a guy who's like no frills, no bullshit. It's just like, hi, here's my name. Here's the lock. I'm going to open it. I'm going to explain it to you. And the video's over in like two and a half minutes. I love that level of just like efficiency of, of information, not even necessarily just a short video, but just like, it's about what it's about and what it's about dictates 
everything about it, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. not contrived. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the algorithm uh, resulting in audience capture, mm-hmm. uh, I, I missed last episode, but uh, did you guys talk about Twitter? Did you talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter? <laughs> I forget. I don't think we really covered it. I don't think uh, we really did. It's no. been such a saga, you know? Let's, <laughs> like, okay, uh, you know that I am a big Elon Musk uh, maker funner of? Mm-hmm. Big, like, big musk watcher. I'm yeah, big president musk of the musk guy. watching I, I association. Do enjoy <laughs> We've been on the watch for a while. Yes. Yeah. Foibles. You got your but, binoculars. Uh, oh my fucking God. Has and this shit monocular. been so goddamn funny? Like he's <laughs> like, he's, he's so, so just for reference, like the people that were running Twitter before just a bunch of like gold star overachiever, like, you know, regime propagandist types. And then he's coming in there being like, okay, whoever doesn't already own a t-shirt with Rick and Morty on it, you're fucking fired. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> it, who didn't rules. laugh when I, when I brought a sink in, you're fired. That's, just, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. It's very stupid. It rules. It fucking rules. Because it's like, uh, how, do you, how do you like destroy, like take a, the most evil social media company like it's probably facebook i wouldn't say it's twitter but like mm-hmm. take probably these evil facebook, social yeah. media yeah. companies instagram and like get a really dumb rich guy to like buy in and then just destroy it well did, like did you how see that you not love to see it isn't he did, destroying his own money by doing this because like he already yes. bought it for 44 billion and it he, is probably not worth that and he he's like tanking the value more enough he has more money than he knows what to do with because of all yeah. the government subsidies he's getting through spacex well did yeah. you and did Tesla. you see the the tweet he posted where he said just received this email from twitter this is an actual real email that was auto-generated and so it's an email that i presume they send to all new executives and management and it mm-hmm. says man Managing at Twitter 101. 30 days left. Go slash learning. Hey, Elon, it's time to start managing at Twitter 101. M101. And they're just telling him like course information. They're like, here's a course that you can take to manage Twitter more effectively. And he's posting it online and being like, I don't need this stupid shit. Can you believe this dumbass shit? I'm already a billion different CEOs. They can't tell me how to run a company. And not realizing all this time that this is specifically designed by social media companies to train managers to avoid liability. So what mm-hmm. he's doing is he's basically saying, look, I'm going to get in as much fucking trouble as I possibly can, <laughs> willfully or not. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. It's so funny to be like a rich person with such little imagination that like you're spending half your time on Twitter posting stupid stolen memes you got from Reddit and like... The fact that you don't own the website just starts chafing at you eventually. And you're like, I should buy it and fix it. And then you actually do. And then you suddenly have to run this company that's losing money every day and have to figure out how to like make it work for you and like make it make you some money and like mm-hmm. do all this stupid bullshit you didn't, didn't uh, intend to do. I thought it was funny how he's apparently asking like, didn't he, 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 he wants people to like print out all the code and show yeah. it to him, which is like what, like, even if you're a, if you're an engineer or a developer, which I am pretty sure Elon is not. And will mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I, I understand that. That's uh, that's, I, I wrote a hello world code once. Like, can you just read 10,000 lines of code and like glean anything useful? <laughs> no, so the, the funny thing not. about that is, so he was posting about how there's like 10 people quote unquote managing for mm-hmm. every one person actually coding at Twitter, which is like a real problem. And it's, you know, managerial bureaucratic bloat is like a widespread problem everywhere. So like there's yeah, but Elon's answer there. is going to be like, we're going to teach the managers to code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking hilarious because, but it, you got it. You do have to kind of hand it to him because the people who are just there, like fucking around and like being uh, state department plants at Twitter are going to be like, uh, I only, I have one sheet of paper. And then the people who are actually like doing work are going to be like, uh, yeah, I bankrupted our printing budget from printing out all my code. <laughs> <laughs> I told him you can just look at it on the computer, but he did not listen. He wanted it in paper. Well, and yeah. it, like the thing is, is like the, all of those fucking state department ass goons, they're all going to keep their fucking jobs anyway, because they mm-hmm. are already employed by SpaceX. He already knows <laughs> them and has lunch with them all the time. He's just like, Oh, you work at Twitter too. You're like that guy on TV who's behind the counter at every store that 
kids go to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Always conveniently there. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. That it's like at the end of the day, the like the base sort of like background function of a social media site like this, which is that it's like it'll give your information to the government if they accuse you of a crime or just ask for it. It'll regurgitate the same quote unquote fact checks and propaganda that the State Department wants out there. Like maybe a few a few things about it will will be different or it is it's going to have a uh, a distinctly epic feel for a while i'm sure as yeah. Elon Musk gets his grubby hands all over it but like I, the actual I, propaganda is not going to change i think that i i don't know about that i think that if twitter has their shit less together uh the the mm-hmm. like you know propaganda arm of the state is probably going to invest less in twitter mm-hmm. because they don't because they know they're not going to get their returns on it Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's probably going to send the, 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 the site itself into like a death spiral because they're not getting this funding from the state, right, to be a state as much of a state propaganda outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you hear fucking Jack's reasoning about why he thinks Elon Musk is a good person to run Twitter? No. What did he say? So there was an excerpt from an article that says in his initial text to Musk about Twitter, Dorsey said, quote, a new platform is needed. It can't be a company. That's why I left. Musk quickly responded, according to the text log, asking, what should it look like? Dorsey proceeded to explain what he has said publicly, that Twitter should become an open-sourced protocol that looks a bit like what Signal has done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Referencing the encrypted messaging app, Dorsey also said that Twitter can't have an advertising model. Advertising is currently the central business model of social media companies. And then he also posted April 25th, 2022 on Twitter, and he said... The idea and service is all that matters to me, and I will do whatever it takes to protect both. Twitter as a company has always been my sole issue and my biggest regret. It has been owned by Wall Street and the ad model. Taking it back from Wall Street is the correct first step. But then he says, in principle, I don't believe anyone should own or run Twitter. It wants to be a public good at a protocol level, not a company. Solving for the problem of it being a company, however, Elon is the singular solution I trust. I trust his mission (laughs) to extend the light of consciousness. Oh, my God. What the fuck kind of drugs are you taking, Jack? (laughs) Well, okay. so fucking copium. I sort of see what he's saying. Because there there are like open source uh, decentralized alternatives to Twitter. Like Mm -hmm. you guys have heard about Mastodon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blood Mountain, excellent album. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which I think is really interesting, but you're never going to get like, you're never going to get like, you know, uh, somebody's grandma like setting up and maintaining their own like Mastodon server or whatever. Why, why, so, why not? Grandma's in, in India and all over the world use fucking WhatsApp and signal all the damn time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be very cool. I just don't really see it happening, but mm-hmm. at the end of the, at, so at the end of the, end of the day, I, I had a thread on Twitter about this. Uh, like at the end of the day, Twitter, like the, there is a internet from a previous era that we lived through that has largely disappeared right there a more lawless internet mm-hmm. an internet where you can like just shitpost and like you know be an asshole to people in power think twitter 10 years ago Geo-cities. where you could like just mm-hmm. do death threats on politicians you didn't like where you could make a blue check cry uh just by fucking harassing them that Twitter has largely disappeared in recent years. And if Twitter is like firing moderation staff and shit like that, and they're banning less people and uh, they're not running uh, as many like regime propaganda campaigns on the timeline, I feel like it's going to probably be more enjoyable to use the site, at least in the short term, until whatever the next thing that ruins Twitter is going to be. I mean, if only any of that was what's going to happen, though, they'll probably just fire moderation staff. And then the ones that are left will be overworked, pushing extra regime propaganda. I mean, Elon Musk is working hand in glove with the U.S. government. They're asking him to put SpaceX satellites over Iran right now so we Mm -hmm. can get involved over there. Over, They're asking him to put SpaceX satellites over Ukraine. And I wouldn't be surprised if they ask him to put them over Haiti soon. So it's like... I don't know. Maybe if there was oh, yeah. somebody, Haiti's I could going to be the the next big thing. That's going to mm-hmm. be 
that like the State Department goons are like salivating over Haiti right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're losing their fucking minds. And so like I just don't know. Like the the more that somebody like Elon Musk tells me that he's just here to liberate Twitter from the tyranny of censorship, the more that it sounds to me like he's just saying, like, I believe my specific type of censorship should be done as efficiently and quietly as possible. Which is what he's always done. I mean, like, think about the kind of moves he made when he took over that role at PayPal. He bought the title of founder. That's the most idiot brain. Like, it, it's a cunning move, but it's uh-huh. like the lowest cunning in the world. Like, <laughs> well, it, it, for the for the it's, time it's so stupid being, that that works cut- too. Yeah. For the time being, they're cutting people at Twitter, and uh, it's not going to be like this long term. But like at twitter right now it's a fucking mess and nobody knows what anything nobody knows what's going on so it's called tuesday for a short (laughs) time it's going to be fun and crazy online again which is something that we haven't experienced in quite some time i mean maybe but i feel like the people who are going to be acting up are just going to be a bunch of elon nerds like wasn't i saw some articles that were like elon supporters spam twitter with the n-word in celebration of his purchase (laughs) of the website and it's just like well what did you expect them to do (laughs) they are who they are that's true we're gonna have to see a lot of that kind of bullshit for a while yeah so i mean like it's definitely going to be interesting uh, but interesting is not always good. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly um, do live in interesting times. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather live in interesting times than in good times. <laughs> Wait, interesting is that times the cre- I, I think it's uh, like, may you live in interesting times as like a curse. Yeah. I'm uh, here for an interesting time, not a long time. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you going to say that? Interesting times create uh, boring men. Yeah, <laughs> boring men create good times. Good times create interesting men. Interesting men create interesting times. That's right. I yeah. want to live in cozy times. How about medieval times? That'd be cool. Yeah, just good, go to like, medieval time and get a, in get a medieval a time. Strong or, men create medieval times. Medieval yeah. times creates food. Mm-hmm. Well, creates strong giant workers turkey drumsticks. <laughs> strong, strong workers create medieval times workers uh, guilds because did they, actually did they yeah. unionize yet? Yeah, a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I, nice. I think there's two that are unionized right now, and there are a couple uh, more that have filed. And there's only like yeah. seventeen or nineteen of them across the country, something mm, like that. Okay, so, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's, it's pretty dangerous work. You're handling horses and birds and swords and stuff like it's. Uh, pretty intense they have yeah. falconers and shit it's like a Wait, big, did like, we talk about on the show how they like sued the medieval times union because their logo had swords in it or some still oh, yeah yeah shit like that and because it had the words medieval times in it which is fucking <laughs> insane because like almost every union has the name of the company i mean that's not gonna it. hold up it's literally no. just a uh, legal um stalling tactic mostly. Yeah, yeah 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 it's uh throwing money because they've made a calculus that it is more cost effective to forestall the organizing with b- bogus legal arguments than it is to you know like so they can actually yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's it, probably it's something Littler ha- Mendelssohn told them to do after they Who? hired them Littler Mendelssohn the largest union avoidance law firm in the country mm-hmm. which is a cute way of saying union busting law firm yeah. but that's illegal so union avoidance <laughs> it's a water pipe for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> yeah you walk in and say union busting and they're like shut up you can't say that in here we'll get in trouble get out of here what do you think this is some cut yeah. rate law firm this is littler mendelssohn we're the we're, we're the the premier union avoidance <laughs> law firm in the country well uh yeah. before we get going let's talk about one more thing that does make these interesting times which is the latest news out of fort bragg so uh, two people were sent to a hospital after they were injured when an SUV crashed through a gate at Fort Bragg and then into a building over the weekend, officials said. At 8.50 hmm. p.m. on Saturday, an SUV crashed through the closed outbound gate at Gate 6, according to a short statement from Fort Bragg officials. The vehicle then crashed into a building, according to a witness. And you can see in the photo, even though it's pretty low resolution, that only the rear third of the car is sticking out of the building. <laughs> they didn't just hit it. They went all the way into it. <laughs> yeah, this looks like they were aiming for it, too. It's not really that wide and there's grass right next to it. Like, it seemed like they were trying to smash into it or something. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I got to wonder, you know, every time I see this, I just think cocaine is a hell of a drug because they Mm -hmm. don't explain who the soldiers were. They don't explain any possible motivation for this. Their lips have been getting tighter and tighter and tighter uh, with regard to letting information out. Actually, the the soldier was after crashing his car into the gate. The soldier was quoted as saying, I don't care. I love it. Uh, a little deep cut for you all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the soldier was quoted as saying, uh, what is the charge of eating a meal, a succulent Chinese meal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they released one of the people from Womack Army Medical Center, but another one is still listed as stable there. And I just got to wonder, like, how out of control are things at Fort Bragg right now? The other thing that happened is, remember those moldy barracks that they were moving soldiers out of? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, f- they finally moved them all out after... Two months. (laughs) It took two months to evacuate the barracks. It's so funny because people are always like, look, if you want to get like, you know, a a cushy career and free college and shit, you can join the army. And then you join the fucking army and you still have a slumlord. You're still living in a moldy apartment and everyone drags their feet on moving you out, even though it's a fucking health risk to live in a moldy building. Yeah, and half, half of the people in your building are drug dealers. There's cars crashing into buildings. One of your friends gets beheaded. You're constantly <laughs> being offered coke and experimental steroids at the bar. And you're just like, man, I just wanted to study chemistry for free. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to work in agricultural sciences. <laughs> How did it come to this? Well, on that note... Uh, yeah, I guess we're retiring the Elon watch segment because we're all watching Elon now. We're just every living day, Elon watch twenty four seven. Yeah, of every day, we're all stuck in the it's e- exhausting Elonticon. Yeah. No, <laughs> the Panoptic. How do you do this? The Elon <laughs> Bur- the Elon Boros is eating its own ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, thank you so much yeah. for listening to BP Lettuce and bearing with us as we talk about Elon Musk. Uh, you can listen to my other show, Work Stoppage. If you want to hear more about unions and labor, you can check out Bryn's show, Generation Loss. If you want to hear more stuff about movies and TV shows, you can and, check out Todd's uh, store if you want to buy a yeah, sick shirt yeah, or something. Yeah, I got some new designs up there. I got, so I, I'm doing corduroy hats Ooh, with cars oh, embroidered nice. on them. That sounds cool. So you could get like a, um, a Miata, I was gonna uh, say Miata, a little mini truck or a Hachi Roku. Um, nice. yeah, it's really cool. It's like, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of unlocked something that I loved doing, which is like making my own designs. And I haven't really done visual art in like, since I was in middle school. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I get to do this cool shit, uh, on shirts and hats and sweatshirts and stuff. It's really fun. And people have been super supportive. I really appreciate it. Nobody's like, Nobody's like giving me a hard time about it yet, and everybody likes their shit that they've done. So, uh, Hell yeah. I appreciate everybody being so supportive. Hell yeah. yeah, go get Do- a shirt. Doomer shop. Doomer.shop. Doomer.shop. Well, keep beeping. Stay high. Goodbye. We love you. Goodbye. Someday, when my life has passed me by, I'll lay around and wonder why you were always there for me. Passerby, I look around for another try and fade away. Just close your eyes and I'll take you there. This place is warm without a care. You take a swim in the deep sea. I go. You were